Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian. Supply chain snarls and high inflation have weighed on economies around the world for much of the past year, especially with China sticking to its strict zero COVID strategy. But how have things changed as China reopens for business in 2023 and as the country puts the Lunar New Year holiday behind it? What are the key trends within the logistics and supply chain industry and how are players grappling with high inflation? Now, today we speak with the world's largest contract logistics provider, GXO Logistics, to find out how they view the supply chain landscape as well as their business strategy ahead. Now, the company also uh, recently held its Investor Day conference not too long ago where it expects to triple its adjusted EBITDA or earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation and amortization between 2021 and 2027. But how will the company achieve this? Now, for more, let's speak to Mark Manduka, Chief Investment Officer at GXO. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hey, Chiang Chiang. Thanks for the opportunity today. Big fan of your show. Great to have you on as well. And Mark, let's start with some of those questions. GXO Logistics is the world's largest pure play contract logistics provider. Best to hear from you. What does it actually mean to be a pure play provider? What is your business model, the services you provide and your industry positioning? It's what you said in your intro. The business really isn't well understood, as the title says, under the radar, as part of a a larger conglomerate a few years ago. And what we did was we span out of that conglomerate and become a standalone entity. Today, what are we doing? We are a a contractual infrastructure-like business. It's not a short-term transactional business that you typically see in the industrial space. We operate nearly 1,000 warehouses across the globe, as you said, the biggest pure play contract logistics provider. And what we do is we sign contracts with our global blue chip customers to operate within the four walls of the warehouse. What we're looking to do is to help our customers become the best version of themselves from a warehousing standpoint. That means becoming faster for them, more accurate and more efficient than they can be themselves. And we're playing in a very big sandpit. We've got about $450 billion available in our total addressable market. The market is only 30% outsourced to third-party logistics providers like us. And as although we're the biggest, as you said, Tian Tian, we only have a 6% market share, which gives you some emphasis as to the amount of consolidation and opportunity that lies ahead. But essentially, the vast majority of warehouses are still manual. And what we have is we have a first mover advantage in this space as one of the leaders of automation. Because 20 years ago, these warehouses were very much hands, arms, and legs pushing boxes around a warehouse. And what we've done is we've led the initiative in regards to making these warehouses more efficient by using robotics, by using artificial intelligence, and by using state-of-the-art software to improve outputs and outcomes for our global blue chip customers. So like I said, it's about speed, it's about efficiency, and it's about accuracy in the warehouse's four walls for those global blue chip customers. And we do it for an awful lot, as you know. Hmm. And I just want to clarify one thing, because XPO does do a bit of uh, trucking services. So that's not part of your business model at GXO, yeah? And the second question has to do with your blue chip client base. Apple, Nike, and Nestle, contracts extend up to 15 years in length. So tell us more about that as well. So first of all, first question, you're completely right. The four walls of the warehouse. This business was spun out on the 2nd of August, 2021 from XBO. 
and therefore we are operating within those four walls. That's where we're providing our value to our customers, and it is a value-added service that we're offering. Long-term contracts, highly automated contracts for those global blue-chip customers, to your first point. To your second point, we're very proud of the customer base. You mentioned just a few names. No single customer makes up more than 4% of our revenue base. The average contract now is roughly around five years, but those contracts, Chan Tian, can extend for as much as 15 years in some cases. And we work with the absolute bluest of blue chip, large global customers. These are big brands that want to own the customer transaction from click to delivery and to manage the consumer experience from start to finish. This is very much for working for the absolute best in breed of those brands that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I want to find out, uh, first of all, uh, Mark, for the big blue chip companies to come on board, there must be some uh, unique comparative advantage compared to your competitors, right? That's my first question. So the second question is uh, talking about your revenue, uh, your preliminary results for 2022 up 14% at 9 billion US dollars. How do you think the company fed? So to your first point, what's, what's the secret source? We're very much an integrator. In the way that we think about it, we bring in the best of breed hardware, software, artificial intelligence, even, even simpler things such as providing labor at scale. And what we do is we bring it all together under the four walls and ceilings of a warehouse and provide the secret source to the customer that they can't really do themselves or at least not to the same level that they can do it, given our global experience and those thousand different warehouses that we've run and the cross-pollination and learnings that we have from those warehouses. So if there is a secret source in this business, it lies in the fact that we have scale, we have expertise, we have an understanding of what to do from an automation perspective when it comes to so many different things from both consumer all the way through to industrial verticals. So lots and lots of experience cross pollinating across those those global warehouses that we're running. And therefore, customers can learn from other experiences that they had. If we're going into an RFP process and we haven't done something before, that naturally puts us at a disadvantage. And what your question alludes to is this idea of the big getting bigger in this space and really a gravitation towards expertise. That's where we sit in the market. When it comes to thinking about the results, the results obviously have been extremely strong since we span out. There's been a few things that have really shone out. One is particularly that revenue growth that you talked about between now and 2027. We've talked about the 2021 to 2027 period being 8 to 12% organic revenue growth, coupled with 17% growth in adjusted EBITDA, as you said in your opening comments, but all the time focused on profitable growth from an economic standpoint for shareholders. We're talking about returns here from an invested capital standpoint, above 30%. We're talking about free cash flow generation in a business in a space, by the way, that's not akin to generating free cash. We are, and not by any small measure either, by some 30% conversion on EBITDA. Mm -hmm. So we're very proud of the results that we're producing. And we're proud about the opportunity that we have ahead of us in a very large total addressable market. Mm. And for our listeners in Singapore, GXO operates in uh, over 27 countries, 869 locations. Yeah. And uh, well, before I get to the future trends in the supply chain and logistics industry, Mark, what is the state of the global supply chain sector right now? How is demand like amid high inflation? I think there's two things. I think your question alludes to inflation, firstly. And inflation is really one of the reasons, one of the many, many reasons, in fact, Tian Tian, why people actually outsource. 
if if you're struggling with your front office, as you say, in times where demand has been slightly truncated and and difficult in certain regions, particularly in places like Eastern Europe, as we all know, the reality is is that you're more likely, as we saw in the 2008-2009 financial crisis, you're more likely to want to lean on someone who brings expertise, brings that accuracy, efficiency, and speed within the warehouse. And therefore, it's actually not a bad time to see increased outsourcing. Like I said, the industry is only 30% outsourced. So a massive sandpit to play in for that remaining 70%. So Mm. I wouldn't say inflation is necessarily a bad thing for the logistics sector overall. Mm. But our job is to maximize cost savings for the customer in times of, should we say, macroeconomic trouble aren't necessarily a bad thing. And therefore, people do choose to outsource. When it comes to your broader point about the supply chains and the issues and crises, I think the past the worst. I think what we've seen out of Asia, obviously, particularly in China with zero COVID, I think that those problems have eased. I do think that there will be a lingering sense for many blue chip customers that they want to diversify some of their supply chains, maybe in part both around Asia, which is obviously an extremely important region, but in some cases towards parts of Mexico, domestic US, and even to parts of Europe as well. So there will be a certain changing, I think, from what's happened in the last three years. But I don't think there's going to be any wholesale change. I think this is going to be gradual. And I think it's going to be a message of diversification for many global blue chip customers. All right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Mark Manduka, Chief Investment Officer at GXO. And uh, Mark, I do want to find out what are the three big trends that you think are affecting global supply chains right now? It comes down to, to three forces that I get most excited about. And that is we talked about a couple of them automation and the many rungs to automation. It's not just software and hardware, it's machine learning all the way through to what we're doing on the artificial intelligence side. Automation has huge potential. Remember, the average warehouse across the world is only about 5% automated. We're about 30% automated. So that leadership advantage that I talked about, we are not the norm in the industry. You come to us if you want that excellence and expertise. So automation has significant growth, I think, over the next 20 years. And it's not a two to three year trend this. I really do mean 20 20 years plus, in fact. When it comes to the second trend, e-commerce, we like to all believe that post-pandemic, we buy everything online. The reality is, is we probably today only buy one out of five items online. That opportunity within the broader supply chain question that you're asking is significant. Because I think the trend for most of the customers that I speak to is up not down. And I think that quite legitimately, you're going to see three out of five, possibly even four out of five items being bought online in not the too distant future. That provides a framework for change for many customers moving from brick and mortar to obviously an e-com setting that will require more warehousing, more nuance within the warehouse. And going back to that first point, more automation. And all the while, as the intellectual bar keeps going up, and the intellectual proprietary knowledge that it takes to be good in the warehouse and be more efficient, when the human hand can only pick up 60 60 boxes per hour versus a robotic arm that can do 350 pallets per hour, the the reality is is that there is clearly going to be a shift, theme three, towards outsourcing and leaning on those third-party logistics providers. So we are in the right place at the right time. So we sit in the crosshairs of these, and the nexus in many ways, of these very big secular multi-year themes. Right. And uh, finally, before we let you go, Mark, we have to talk about your FY 2027 outlook. You expect to triple earnings between 2021 and 2027. 
what needs to be done in terms of investments to reach this goal and uh, anything we can expect in APEC in 2023 for now? I think in terms of the framework that we've talked about, the adjusted EBITDA target of $1.6 billion uh, in 2027, uh, the $450 billion addressable market, which is really driving the, the growth of this business. You have obviously the 30% free cash flow conversion. The framework of it is very simple. Organic growth first and foremost, but doing so with contractual rigor, synergies from acquisitions, obviously, that we've, we've talked about in the past. We did the Clipper acquisition last year, driving in-house cost savings as well, and then doing it in a framework that has both a focus on returns, predictability, and repeat business. And if you do that, you'll get the multiple that you deserve for a business that is clearly new and unique. When it comes to Asia, such an important market and for us, it's an area of growth. There's no doubt about it. I was in Singapore recently, and we're operating over a number of different verticals in that market. For us, I think there's going to be opportunities over the next couple of years to expand in the region, but particularly out of Singapore, where there is clearly a very logical hub when it comes to everything that you know well and you've been talking about on your previous shows from a ports perspective and a global trade standpoint. So it's an important region for us. The majority of our business, as you know, is in North America and Europe. But don't discount Asia, obviously. There are strong businesses we have there, very good relationships that we have with global blue chip customers, and it will be a source of growth going forwards. Right, lots to look forward to. Thanks very much, Mark. That was Mark Manduka, Chief Investment Officer at GXO. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.